everybody and welcome back to another episode of Bradley's House the podcast come on in make yourself at home kick your feet up as we want all of our guests to i am your co-host Jared Orr she is the executive director of the Noel Family Foundation and our host Ms Kelly Noel Kelly how you doing tonight i'm doing really well Jared how are you I'm I'm great and I can hear you biting that smile. <laughs> we had we had quite the the pre uh the pre conversation here already. Um so for our listeners, uh, I'm sorry you guys missed out on a lot of laughs, but hopefully we'll keep the the good times oh, going through. Yeah, um, it's it's been like 20 minutes of solid laughter. My side hurts. I'm weeping. There's mascara running down my face. There's a reason we don't do video. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well that's because I'm camera shy. Right. Um, we had uh we're coming off an amazing episode last week we had john phillips on he told some really cool sublime stories he did um, lots of great stories about just brad and and the whole journey of getting them signed and just uh i had a lot of fun with that episode and the viewers have really been enjoying it the feedback has been amazing what have you been hearing kelly you know, everyone loves hearing stories from John. He's such a great storyteller. He always has fun things to say. Every time I see him, he's a joy to talk to. And he can't be everywhere at once. So I really think it's a lot easier for him to just tell stories on a podcast so everybody can hear them all. And um, yeah, there's been a lot of really great feedback. So we sure appreciate every single one of our guests. And John was no exception. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that a lot of people don't realize that uh, before he recorded that podcast, he had to walk up 62 steps. He did. It was super, super impressive. Like yeah, he wasn't yeah. even out of breath. It was crazy. I don't know if I've walked up 62 steps in my life. Uh, <laughs> he, he did it just to, he did it just to get to the podcast. Uh, Kelly, I, I love you and I love this show, but I wouldn't walk up 62 steps to record. I know this. you, I, I'd never ask you to. That's, that's too much. <laughs> yeah, a- absolutely. So, and, uh, you know, again, it's one of those shows that I just wasn't sure how we were going to follow it up. But coming off of a, a friend of Brad's and Sublime, and because this isn't just a Sublime and Recovery podcast, but it's a Sublime-influenced podcast. So you lined up a guest who has been somewhat influenced by the music. Kelly, who's our guest in Bradley's house today? Well, as you said, we have to always try to up ourselves each week. And so... This week, we decided to have somebody who I absolutely adore, not just as a musician, but also as a friend. I think she's just a lovely human being. The very first time I met her, I remember walking away thinking, what a beautiful person, inside and out. And um, every time I see her perform, and I've seen her many times, I'm just, I'm struck with how she relates to everyone in the crowd, how she makes everyone feel special. She gives out free hugs. Need I say more? We have the lovely Vana Leah with us today. Vana, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. And Kelly, your sweet words, oh, they always just give me the fuzzies on the inside. You know, just the things you have to say are just, you know, um, 
I don't know. I don't know how to take them in. You know, they're just the sweetest things that anyone has ever said to me. So I appreciate you. Fuzzy is my goal. (laughs) (laughs) We we aim for fuzzy. (laughs) We've been feeling pretty fuzzy this whole time. (laughs) I'm not going to lie. When you started laughing, I had to put my hand over my mouth. I really, really tried to keep my serious face. (laughs) Oh my goodness. I, I, I kind of wish that we had been recording the 15 minutes prior to starting because it was just, I mean, it was goofy. It probably would not have been as entertaining for our audience, but, but yeah, we, we got goofy and giggly and had several times had to pull ourselves together. Yeah. Um, I, I almost threatened to pull the car over. <laughs> you almost turned around. We almost didn't go to Disney World. You almost made us go right back home. Sorry. Don't make me turn this car around. <laughs> Oh my goodness, Brad and I heard that more than a few times as kids. I'm not going to lie. Oh, so let's get into it. The reason why people are here, of course, is to hear all about um, your incredible experiences in the music industry and also as a person. And so I would like to get into all of that. Why don't you start by telling us how you got into music? Because you have a very interesting story. Oh, yeah. So, um, you know, I really just kind of, it started, you know, in school, I, you know, everybody has to do like some sort of music elective. And um, I was like the new kid in public school. And um, my other friend who was the other new kid in public school, like we both didn't know each other and, and or anybody else. So then we were both doing choir together. And, you know, I was like the kid that always tried out for all the solos, but I never got one. But I always like, you know, did the extra curricular like choirs and stuff like that so I always loved singing but you know never really thought seriously about it and then you know when I got into college um, I was just doing you know covers on YouTube and I noticed you know people were liking and commenting you know people who weren't my mom and I was like oh, okay cool like you know <laughs> who weren't your mom attention, <laughs> you know <laughs> my mom always loves everything and I love that she loves everything but the fact that somebody else was like this is cool I was like oh maybe I actually do sound good <laughs> yeah that's a big deal that's true yeah for sure that's like your first like actual sort of you know fan quote unquote mm-hmm. so um yeah I just I I I just you know love the band Pepper they're my favorite so uh the first time I ever did like a full-length cover I did a Pepper cover and um, Yassad happened to see it and he reposted it on the Pepper page. And I was kind of just like freaking out of, about it because, you know, they're my favorite band and, you know, they just, they know I exist. So it's like, how happy yeah. could I be in that moment? So, you know, I had just messaged them and told them, thanks for being so good to their fans. And Yassad messaged me back and he was like, um, you know, do you write any of your own music? And I, I said, yes. And I really didn't have anything. I told him I had stuff recorded and, you know, I'd send it to him. So it took a couple of days. I wrote a couple of songs and then I sent it to him. And, um, <laughs> and he was like, Oh, this sounds kind of, this sounds good. Like, you know, let's link you up with Greg from Cashed Out. So then we do a song and he's like, okay, let's put that out on law. And then after he hears it, he's like, we should just do a whole album. And I didn't even have an album ready. So the album that I have coming out in August will actually be that album that we were talking about. So um, it's wow. kind of been a, a crazy, a crazy journey <laughs> for sure. It's like, um, I don't know, so many dreams come true in like my life. Mm. You know what I mean? Like there, it's not just like one thing that I'm like, wow, this feels like a dream. It's like every day. And like, you know, one of the things for me that, you know, feel like a dream is like being a part of Bradley's house. That's mm. been 
such a dream for me because I think about it all the time. I could have been a musician, you know, a couple of years ago, or maybe not have been a musician a couple of years ahead of right now. And I just so happen to be a musician in the time where this compilation is being put together. And it's like, you know, like what, what better time could I ask for to be doing this? It is perfect timing. Can we just take a moment and talk about how wonderful Yasad Williams is? Oh yes, of course. I, I mean, He's just fantastic. I, the, them, I mean, him and the whole law crew, like, yeah, everybody is just family and they, they make you feel like that the whole way around. And yeah. for me, that's, that's more important than anything else. For any of our listeners, um, we actually had, uh, he and Paul Milberry on the show. So you guys can go back and find us in the archives on YouTube or wherever you're listening to and, uh, and find out a little bit more about how the album came together and, uh, hear the three of us just kind of nerd out and talk about a bunch of <laughs> videos that maybe some of you haven't had. But, uh, I just figured since you guys mentioned, yeah. throw in a, a cheap plug to go find yes. that in the archives and, uh, and check out that episode. That was way back on episode four. And, you know, Paul and Yasad, I had the chance to get to know them from doing this album. And, and now I've asked them to be on the, the board of the Knoll Family Foundation, which they have been for quite a few months. And I just, there's never been a time when I've had an interaction with them when I didn't walk away from that feeling better than when I started. Like they just, they're those kind of people that just make you feel so good no matter what you're going through. And you always walk away from them feeling better than when you came. And I think that's such a, a tremendous gift that they have. And uh, they're just phenomenal people, just wonderful people. So I'm so glad that you're working with them, Vaughn. I really am. They're just, they're absolutely wonderful. And that can be sadly unusual in the music industry to encounter people like that. So I think it's wonderful that that you found them and they found you and you guys found each other. But um, okay, so tell us real quick, because I always thought this was interesting. When you when you started doing the covers, you were going to school, right? You were still in college. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what were you what were you studying? Um, I was studying health sciences. I had a concentration in public health. Um, and that was really just a precursor for occupational therapy. Like I wanted to do that um, through Stony Brook. They had a really, really good program for that. Um, so I actually was in the process of applying to graduate schools when um Yasad kind of hit me up about law so you know in a sense I was kind of like well if I start doing this like I don't really have to go to grad school grad school always kind of be there so in a way law kind of saved me from all my grad school application fees (laughs) (laughs) that's true it was good timing (laughs) it's great timing (laughs) because that stuff isn't cheap let's be honest yeah, because, you know, I remember applying for colleges and it must have been like $50 an application. If you're doing early, I think it was more than that. But I think grad school applications, I remember them being like way more expensive, like 150 or something like that. And, yeah. you know, it adds up. On, yeah, it adds up after a while, especially like if you don't have your eye on a specific program and stuff. So, mm. um, yeah, the record deal came at a great time. <laughs> and where did you get your first ukulele? Um, so I actually got my first one for Christmas because prior, I think in maybe 2014, my mom had gotten me 
a guitar because she knew I loved to sing, um, but I just never really did anything with it. So she bought me a guitar and I tried a little bit with that and it just wasn't clicking. Um, I don't know if it's because I'm really small and an acoustic is just really big or what the case was, but I just wasn't driving with it. So the following year for Christmas, my mom actually got me a ukulele because um, she just figured it would be a little bit easier. And I was kind of eyeing it because, you know, I really didn't want to give up on um, writing music or doing anything with it. Uh, I just didn't know where to start, you know, so the ukulele seemed like a good place. And, you know, moms have that mom tuition and she got me one for Christmas. And uh, it's actually funny that you bring that up because I remember Christmas, um, like, you know, our family, we do everything super early in the morning at like 11 o'clock. Well, I mean, like after dinner, like I'm dinner, what am I saying? Breakfast, we have uh, presents and stuff at like 11. And so like all day, you're like left to play with whatever you got. And I remember getting the ukulele and I went straight into my dining room and I learned Santeria. Oh, Um, I didn't know that. That's awesome. I, I, you know, honestly, it skipped my mind until you brought that up. I remember that was like the first thing I wanted to learn. And it was actually like one of the only things I ever learned, like picking too, because I don't really do a lot of like picking or soloing. But that intro is like, I remember I learned the whole song and I was like just sitting there until like 2 a.m. like learning that picking part in the beginning. (laughs) I love that story. That's awesome. So you started doing covers and posting them on YouTube and Pepper saw them. Did you do other covers and have other bands repost or even acknowledge them? So in between the time that I put out that first one and um, kind of the time that I announced that I got signed to law, we were kind of like working in the background. So it was like, they were still trying to figure out if like how many songs we were going to do or like if they even wanted to work with me. Um, but the conversation was started at that point. So I did have like a few um, in between because um, once I kind of got the attention from Pepper, it was just um, I started to realize that like I was kind of almost creating a, a style in a sense of like these like masculine songs and I've kind of like simplified them and made them feminine. So I really tried to go for bands that I really liked listening to because um, that I just I like doing things that I have fun doing. So it's like even though it's not the norm for like a girl to cover 311, you know, I was doing 311 covers and, you know, I got retweeted by them. And um, like the Dirty Heads also reposted me and Tribal Seeds and Fortunate Youth. And, you know, it's another thing we're talking about, everybody being so nice in in reggae. Um, And I think that that's like that was like kind of part of it. And that's how I kind of got introduced to this scene was just, you know, I wasn't really anybody and everybody was kind of showing me love on my covers. And, you know, that's just super rad of them. Yeah, that's beautiful. I do think that's wonderful how people are so supportive in, in this particular genre. And and really, I mean, it's the only one I have any experience in, but I do think it's beautiful the way that people really support each other and encourage each other and, and I love all the collaborations. You've done a lot of collaborations with people. I mean, you've got some really like K-Bong, Johnny Cosmic, Otic Empire, Bumpin' Uglies, uh, Peter Dante. You even did, just came out with one with Half Pint too. Legend. Oh, yeah. That was, um, that was a great one. And, you know, just on the whole Sublime connection too, you know, I'm, I'm such a big Sublime fan. So that when we had Pint like agree to do the feature, it was just, such like a, a moment where I was just like, you know, I don't, I don't care what happens in my career. Like, this is like stuff I'm stoked on, you know, like yeah. you know, just like 
my, like I was saying before, like just my dreams come true. You know, like I, I remember even the first time I met half pint, you know, so like, like the feature, like how it came about was just like, just so serendipitous, you know, and I'm just really fortunate to, to do that. And then I have another one coming out with pepper in um, a few months. So that should be exciting. And then um, we announced the, uh, Cali Roots Rhythm with uh, Johnny Cosmic mm-hmm. and Kali uh-huh. uh, Buds. And then in June, I'm actually going to be doing a feature with uh, Inner Circle. We worked on a track together. So oh, wow. that would be pretty cool too. Right on. I'm looking forward to that. So you signed with Law, was it 2018? Mm-hmm. And if I'm not mistaken, you were the first female artist they ever signed and the first solo artist, right? Correct. Yeah. So I, I feel a little cool. Not going to lie. You are super cool. <laughs> Did you feel any pressure in that? I mean, that's, not that's until a couple now she didn't. big. <laughs> Thanks, Jared. I didn't necessarily feel pressure, but I more so, um, I feel like I've always had this like inner feeling my whole life that I was supposed to have like this greater purpose. And I didn't really know what it was. And, you know, that's just a really vague feeling to have, but sometimes you just have feelings. And I think that that kind of validated it for me. It was kind of like, okay, like um, you're breaking into bounds that like nobody has really yet, you know? So like maybe you really are doing something right because that kind of, um, self-esteem talk and self-worth and self-love talk is something that I constantly have to do with myself. So I think um, instead of pressure, I feel like I tried to take it as an opportunity for me to um, encourage myself to shine. You know, it's interesting to hear someone like you talk about self-confidence because you're so talented and you're so intelligent and you're beautiful and you're friendly and personable. And so from the outside, it would seem like you certainly could never struggle with any self-confidence issues because, well, because you're perfect. So mm-hmm. there's that. But um, but you have struggled in the past, haven't you? Yeah. And, and, and I think that everybody does. And really what life is about is, well, that what people sometimes make life about is like, how how well you go through those struggles and sometimes you know people don't really show their 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 struggles but i think it's it's important to also have those human moments and be vulnerable because everybody really does have those and i think that the less we have this idea that you know certain people's lives are perfect and you know mine's not or things are going this way and not the other way you know i think the more we understand that everybody's going through something and we don't know everybody's story um i think we all could like live a little bit better mentally in in a better state so like um you know I appreciate your kind words and I love that I come off that way, but I also like kind of want to tell people that like you could have this front this entire time. And, you know, um, there are still days up to now where like I, I have to pep talk myself because, um, although like maybe I have gotten over a hump, it's still a daily practice. It's something, uh, that I have to do to change my mindset every day. And it's a lot of work, but you have to like have the willpower and the want to be that person that you're trying to become, if that makes any sense. Absolutely. It is a daily thing. And I think sometimes we, we think if we're having to try so hard that maybe we're doing something wrong, Mm. but I just, you know, I just think sometimes there, well, I think there's seasons in life, you know, and some are, 
some are easier seasons and some are more difficult seasons. And, um, but it doesn't necessarily mean you're doing anything wrong and, and you do have to just kind of fight through some of those days. Uh, did that influence your songwriting at all? Um, yeah, for sure. I, I think that, um, I remember I, I wrote a song back in 2018 with Greg from Cashed Out and I had never really intended on speaking about it maybe right away, maybe at some point, but I think, um, he just had this instrumental that was just kind of like deep and dark. And, um, he asked me, have you ever had any struggles? And at that point, um, like I hadn't really been vocal about anything that I had been through. So for um, anybody who like is not familiar um, with my story, I've um, I've just been through a bit of self-harm issues. I was cutting myself for uh, quite a bit of time just to kind of deal with like anxiety and, and stuff like that. Um, so when he said that to me, I had just like started being clean from it, maybe like a couple of months. And I was really trying to be like, good on myself. So it, it was really surprising that he like had asked me. And I remember just like freezing up because I was like, oh my God, are we really going to talk about this right now? Um, and wow. I just asked him, you know, for a, I was like, look, like this is the only thing I can really think of. So I'm just asking for a safe space right now. And I just kind of told him like, you know, how I would feel when I would do things like that. And, um, you know, we end up writing surface and I, the towards the end of the song it kind of has almost like a hopeful vibe to it and that's kind of um what I wanted to do is not only like express maybe some of the negative things that I've been through but also encourage the hope in it as well and you know mm-hmm. um off the new album there's a song called gold and it's about it's me talking to me you know I write music for other people but it's also kind of for me to like remind myself and it's about reminding me that I I can feel like gold you can always be that way and you know just a reminder to love yourself so I feel like it's also um as I've transformed from you know kind of being this like shy person with these insecurities it's influenced that sort of songwriting but it's also inspired the songwriting for how I want to feel and what my goals are to feel Mm. so um it's it's been nice being able to use it in more than one way and and kind of take it for a spin on the positive end absolutely you know i think anyone who's experienced depression and anxiety and and you know serious mental health issues can relate to feeling like things are never going to get better like they're always going to be shit like um you know you can never climb out of that hole but you have a line in the song surface that i i just think speaks on so many levels and it's I wish the old me could see me now. And it's just, it's so poignant to me that, you know, if we, if we just keep fighting and, and just keep, you know, pushing forward, no matter how awful things seem, there's always going to be a brighter moment when we look back and go, wow, look at how far I've come. And, um, I, I, I don't know. I've just, I've always been drawn to that song and to that line in it. And I think you really captured something in that, in that sense of, of hope, you know, of having, having come through something and then having that sense of being able to look back and be proud of, of where you are now. And I think we all have that potential. For sure. And you know, it's even when you said that line just now, like I was curious to see what line you were going to say. And I don't know why I wasn't expecting that one, but it just kind of hit me and it made me tear up a little bit because, um, you know, I spent a lot of like my childhood and my upbringing just like 
not liking myself, like not just not being um, kind to myself. Mm. And now that I love myself, I so wish I could go back to mm. me who would spend hours at a time just like looking in the mirror and crying and being so upset that I was me that I wish I could just go back and hug her and show her like what she could be and what she's yeah. going to do. Because I, in moments in time, it almost felt like I wasn't going to make it. There are certain days where like literally nobody knew that I was feeling that way. And honestly, my parents didn't even know that I was going through anything until I was about to put the song out because I didn't wow. want them to see it on the internet. And at that point I had been like clean from cutting for about a year. So I was ready to tell them, but it was just like, I didn't want to burden them with how I was feeling because I didn't want them to feel like it had anything to do with them or for them to worry about me because I was really just trying to figure out myself. But, you know, I can't imagine anything worse than like figuring out something so intimate about your kid through the internet, you know? So like we had, we did talk about it, but it was just, um, it was just, it was just so different, you know? So, so I really tried to like, um, I, I think that's why, like, I get so excited when I see like kids listen to my music and stuff too. Cause I try to write things for old Bana, like things I wish that I was hearing all the time and I was surrounded mm. by all the time so that I could feel that love because now that I'm older, I may not have felt that love before, but now I feel the most love I ever could. And I'm realizing it can come from anywhere. So I'm trying to give it from everywhere. That is, that is a great point. I, I really appreciate your honesty because I do think that the, a lot of people feel the same way. And like you, we suffer in silence. You know, we think we don't want to burden somebody or they wouldn't understand or, you know, we're, I don't know. It's just, it's a very isolating thing. And, um, and I really appreciate you sharing your experiences because I do think that a lot of us can relate to that and, and that feeling. How did your parents respond when you told them? You know, I think, um, my parents, each of them, it was a little different because I grew up in a divorce household and my, my dad was kind of like in and out. So when I told him it was a little different because I'm first generation American. Um, so being from like a very Caribbean household, like mental health is really not talked about. And sometimes it's not really even a thing. So with my dad, he, he was really understanding and he was trying to be receptive, but he just didn't get it. He didn't like understand the emotions that I was going through. And like, you know, when I would be cutting myself, it was like, I came out of my body for a moment, you know, because mm. it's not something I would normally ever do. And, you know, but it's just those emotions just take me over the edge and you end up doing something and you come back in your body and you're just like, what just happened? And you yeah. almost lose yourself. And, you know, that feeling is kind of unfamiliar to them because I feel like, you know, back in Guyana where my parents are from, it's really much so like what you bring to the table when you have like, seven brothers and sisters, you know, everybody's just kind of like putting stuff on the table, you know, yeah. so it really mental health isn't really like discussed. But you know, with my mom, it was it was so different, because she, she could not have been a better mom, she has provided me with so much love and care and attention. And, you know, honestly, I think she really was the perfect mom. And I think, for her, something I, I didn't really even notice. And, you know, we were almost speaking about this a little bit earlier, Kelly, um, was how it affected her. You know, right. um, the first time we met, I remember you like asking me questions from a parent's perspective. And that was 
the first time I had ever realized that a, a parent could feel a way about their kid. And I never realized that my mom might feel that what I was going through was like a reflection of her. And that was the last right. thing I ever wanted her to feel because these are just issues that I've just dealt with growing up, you know, from school and other things that were unrelated. And, you know, I think that was a really big reason for me to pull myself out of the hole too, is just like my mom. It's been a big, big reason to like stay clean and like not do that because sometimes I, I do have thoughts like that. Sometimes I do have really bad days because, um, you know, sometimes you're the only person telling you that you're good enough. And it's right. like, am I really good enough? Because I'm the only one telling myself that no one else seems to think so. And, you know, to be stuck in that cycle is like a really dangerous thing. So to, to, to have my mom kind of be supportive of me now is really nice because before I never used to talk to her about this stuff. And, you know, now it's like I straight up have panic attacks with her on the phone, but just to have that support is really nice. Cause otherwise I'd literally just be up in my room doing not good things. So um, I think I really just thought I could handle it a lot of the times. And I never realized how beneficial just venting to somebody would be. Absolutely. And as a parent, I think it's so, you know, anyone who, who is super involved with their kids and, and they find out that their, their child is struggling, they want to help. And the hardest thing is when you realize that your child has been struggling and you weren't aware of it. You know, I just, for, you referenced when, when we first met and we had this conversation and, and one of my kids was going through a very difficult time and, and you were able to shed some light on some things that I had never you know, I hadn't seen it from that perspective. And it was so helpful for me because I do want to be there as a parent and I do want to be there for my kids. And, and it, the more that, that I, you know, communicated with my kids and learned about what they were experiencing, the better things got for both of us, you know? So anybody out there who's listening and has, whether you're the one who's struggling or whether you have a child that's struggling, it's just communication. Like that's the most important thing. And I think whether it's, you know, any kind of addiction or mental health issue or any of those things, they're very isolating. And if we can break down that isolation and, and just let someone know that even if you don't totally understand what they're going through, if you're just willing to sit with it with them and, and feel it with them and, and be a part of it, I think that goes a long way because you don't feel so alone. For sure. And I feel like a lot of people, um, cause I'm one of these people, I really, um, I, I underestimated the amount of support that I really had. I, I didn't really talk to anybody because I thought all these things of what they would think or how they would react or even if right. they would listen to me or even if it would make a difference. And then, you know, I just one day took my own advice and did it. And it helped me so much. And I think people don't know how many people are really just willing to be their friend and sit down and listen because I guarantee you they have moments like those too. And, you know, maybe your bravery of saying like, Hey, I need a friend right now might open a door for them where they might mutually feel like they have a friend in you and, you know, um, and you can kind of just help everybody be able to like express themselves and, you know, everybody can kind of, um, just like address what they have going on and just kind of be in that in environment together. And I think that it's important to appreciate each other's presences. And when you do stuff like that, you know, sometimes you can get there a little quicker. Exactly. Well put. So, okay. So 
on a not so heavy, serious note, but thank you again for being so open and honest. I, I just appreciate you so much for that. Um, so you were, you did a cover for the house that Bradley built and you did the ballad of Johnny, Butt, and I think it ended up being one of the most surprising songs for everybody on the album. How did that come about? Um, so I remember getting asked to do the album and I was really stoked on it. And I didn't, Paul had sent me a list of songs that were like already kind of taken. And, um, I remember like not really having a song in mind yet, but I had a trip out to Oakland to go see Johnny Cosmic because we were working on this album. And, you know, I just kind of chatted with him because at this point, you know, he's kind of really produced a lot of my material. So um, I asked him if he was doing a song and he showed me his 40 ounces to freedom. And I remember my jaw dropping. I was like, wow, this is amazing. And I was like, I thought we were just doing like acoustic stuff. And he's like, well, yeah, you know, it really kind of is acoustic if you kind of think of all the elements. But, you know, when I was thinking acoustic, I was thinking just straight up, like really raw, like Ballyhoo, like STP style. So. You know, I was like, well, if this is what we're doing, I was like, well, would you want to work with me on this? And, um, you know, we were debating on what songs to go back and forth. And I've always, always loved Johnny. But um, I remember like I I opened with that song, like on my first paid gig ever, like I've opened with Johnny. But so I've just always loved that song. Wow. Um, I always like that it's a cover, too, because I like that I do covers. So I like that it was a cover of a cover. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but I just, I've always had a connection with it. And I always, I also felt like it wasn't a very like girl song, like not a song that, you know, one of the chicks would choose to do. So that kind of made me want to do it even more. Um, and I remember Santeria was on the table too. And I was really close to doing it because Johnny was like, yeah, you could really kill it if you, if you, if you really tried. But I'm such a sublime fan that I didn't want to get pigeonholed as like the girl who covers Santeria. <laughs> so I went with Johnny Butt. But I I remember um sending Johnny this um YouTube cover that I had done of the song and I was just like, Hey, like this is the range that I sing it in and just as an idea. And I was coming home from a road trip and he sent me the instrumental he had and he he just made magic from it. And I just remember being like, wow, this is going to be such a cool song. And then I went up and we tracked it and we added all the ukulele to it. And um, I just really loved that he understood that I wanted to make it my own because I feel like um, some of the covers on the album, like not saying that one or is better than the other but you know some people went straight up for a sublime style type cover and a lot of people made it their own so i was really kind of stoked that um you know we were able to to kind of achieve that um vanalia style and kind of um do that with that song and i hope we did it justice because i i think it's really really hard and intimidating to cover a sublime song it's it's got to be hard to cover any song but you're right i mean something that you know people already have a preconceived idea about um you know you're going to be judged and compared and so i i do think we have a really good mixture of songs on the album of people doing straight covers and people giving different interpretations and i love that i think it's just i think it brings a nice mix to it but i just remember the first time i heard your cover of of johnny butt and just being like completely blown away like it has that like bossa nova feel yeah. it just oh i just love it i absolutely love it and it 
it just felt very fresh to me and very, very exciting and, and really fun. And it's interesting to see how people respond to it. And um, so, yeah, I think you guys did a great job interpreting that. Well, thank you. I remember when Yasad first heard it, he was like, this sounds like um, something in like a Latin James Bond film, or something, <laughs> you know, and, and I really do love that tune because it kind of um, opened my ears a little bit to my sound, you know, I, with the new music I'm writing, I'm kind of leaning more so um, in that kind of style with like a heavier bass and a, and a lighter voice touch. So um, it, it, it was, it was nice to kind of help me get out of my shell a little bit and, and help me explore creatively a little bit as well. Um, awesome. And the, um, the response I've got, from it has been awesome so it's it was really cool because like you know people have never heard of me like really liked it and I think that's always like a a good sign is when people you you do, are not in your regular fan base are reaching out to tell you that they liked it so I, I've definitely appreciated all the love that I've gotten on it so far so thank you Absolutely. for having me be a part of it like I said oh, it's sure. true oh no it's it's been great and to me that's the most gratifying thing when people say that they've discovered new artists from listening to that album. Um, to me, that's, that's just so perfect. Like that's, you know, the fact that, that so many amazing talented musicians like yourself would donate their time and their talent to help out the foundation. And then in return, people discover them and they get new fans. Like, I don't, I don't know. I just think that that's such a beautiful chemistry there that, that, that could happen. And it makes me really happy. Yeah, it's it's a beautiful give and take, and I love. Yeah. I I think that's one thing I really learned from COVID too is like you know, um, of course, like I I miss playing and I miss the fans and stuff, but I really realized how much they miss us too, and it's just mm. another way to push us forward, and and I'm really appreciative for it. Right. So, what have you been doing throughout COVID? Um. So I actually moved down to Long Beach during COVID. So that's been my, um, my happy thing. <laughs> You're um, in Long Beach? Yeah. I moved down to Long Beach in November, like right after Thanksgiving, uh, right before Thanksgiving. How did um, I not know this? Uh, yeah. I, I, I feel like maybe I may, maybe mentioned it to you here or there, but I think I was like in the process of moving, but yeah, I'm over, um, I'm like in Alameda Beach, like right by like fourth and orange. Oh my gosh. Right yeah, on. I'm super close. <laughs> so, you know, there's actually a band called Fourth and Orange. I do. That's why. Aren't I they fabulous? So funny. I they love them. They have a song called Right One. Oh my God. Uh -huh. I like jam one summer. <laughs> I love them. I love them. They're great. If you guys haven't checked out Fourth and Orange, definitely do that. Local yes. guys, huge Sublime fans, and just really nice guys. Really sweet. Um, so during COVID, obviously, you've had to make a lot of changes. Has it been a, a time where you could really focus on, on writing and creating so that, you know, without having the time on the road or, or is it harder not having that constant feedback? Um, I think it's been really nice to just kind of have a break from everything because I am so go, go, go all the time. Being a smaller artist, you really are on the road most of the time trying to make a name for yourself. So you don't really have a lot of breaks. So being able to chill has been very nice, but I wish it happened in New York so I could be with my family. But um, the fact that it's happened here has mm. been um, good. You know, I've felt a new inspiration and I, and, you know, not to sound so cliche, but like, you know, I've been dreaming about moving to California since high school and I like love sublime. So to be in Long Beach is like kind of made me reach like this peak happiness, you know? So it's been a really good time for me to like, sit down and write because I feel like all these 
pieces or of my life are kind of coming together. So um, yeah, I, I have had some time to write and it's been really nice um, just to get that, just to have a, a breath of fresh air to breathe because, you know, um, I, I hope that we never have to go through something like this again, but, you know, to take it the good for what it is, I'm, I am happy I got a little bit of a mental health break. Absolutely. How did you first you discover Sublime? With those masks on? <laughs> what happened? How, how you breathing in that fresh air with your mask on? <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know what, Jared? I liked it better when you were on mute. All right. I'm, <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> we let him talk every once in a while. <laughs> I was well, playing you know, Angry Birds on my phone while you two were going anyway. <laughs> So. <laughs> Come join us, Jared. <laughs> but you know, the New York way is that, you know, I have to kind of tease you a little bit. Otherwise, you don't know if I actually like you. If I've been nice to you this whole time, good chance we're probably not friends. <laughs> so, so we are friends because you told me to mute out. All right, I got it. Look That's at you connecting the dots. I do, I do okay. I can't, I can't. Connecting the dots. It's funny because (laughs) you guys were talking about the reggae community and how tight knit it is and how everybody's so helpful. And, um, (laughs) it it just, it, it it made me think of a funny story. Um, I was at a tribal seeds concert in Portland that I went to by myself. I got done working at the office. I had an advertising firm out there and I drove down to this concert and it was at like this little shithole bar. Um, and it was packed. And when I got in there, it was your normal reggae crowd. Um, you know, just everybody having a great time. And <laughs> there's one guy who happened to be standing in a corner that I noticed right away. And he was in a trench coat. And I'm like, man, that's a interesting getup for a, a reggae concert in a bar that's like 140 degrees. Um, Is he a flasher? So. <laughs> that's what uh, we're all thinking. Tribal Seeds is about, this is like, this is really an embarrassing story for me, but I tell it because it's so funny. Um, So Tribal Seeds is about halfway through their set and everybody's having a good time. And um, I kind of realized that Trench Coat Guy is now like kind of behind me. And I'm figuring he probably realized I came in alone as well. And Trench Coat Guy taps me on the shoulder. And I turn around and it's dark, but the lights are going a little bit. So, and I trench coat guy is what I believe to about to stab me in the stomach in the middle of this tribal seeds concert in this dark bar. So with my quick reflexes, I ninja move and karate chop his hand (laughs) in the middle of this concert (laughs) to make sure that he does not stab me in the stomach and run out the side door where nobody's going to see in this dark bar. And as I am connecting across his forehand, I realize that he is just handing me his dad pen and offer me and I smash, I smash across his hand. It falls to the ground. He gives me this look like, what the fuck is wrong with you? And as I realized what was happening so fast, I didn't even like apologize or help him. I just kind of gave him a look like, yeah, that's right, buddy. And I turned around and, and got back to the rest of my song. And I was like, man, I'm a huge asshole. That was like the worst thing that I've ever done. And I was just like, probably the nicest guy here, but I saw the trench coat. He was alone. I saw this silver thing coming towards my abdomen. I, I, 
I just pictured like the beginning of like a CSI episode or like, and uh, so if that guy happens to be listening to this podcast, dude, I'm I'm totally sorry. I, <laughs> Did you explain to him that you're from New York? Because I feel like that could have helped. Yeah, that would have definitely helped. I'm pretty sure the look and the nod that I gave him right after, he understood what, what I went through. <laughs> uh, it was totally suspect. But I was just, as you were talking, you said tribal seeds and then everybody's so helpful. And I'm like, man, that guy just wanted to make friends with me. We were probably like the only two people that were at this concert alone. He's like, hey, man, I got this dad pen. I'm going to hook this guy up. And I, I karate chopped it out of his hands. I love how I think he's a flasher and you think he's a murderer. <laughs> right. Right. Turns out, turns out he's just a really good guy who wanted to. Wanted just to a nice it. guy. Yeah. He's like, hey, For man, your sake, I hope he's listening. I think he needs some closure. I don't think yeah. he knows what happened. <laughs> it's funny. Closure. It's funny, right? Because I always talk to my friends about that. Like we tell these great stories, like these funny stories that have happened in our lives. And I'm like, you realize that out there, there's the person telling this story from the other side. So like, oh, man, I was at this concert. <laughs> this asshole caught saw, saw this guy in a sweater vest come walking in. Meanwhile, I'm judging him because he's in a trench coat and I'm there in a fucking polo sweater vest I'm sure it was uh, with a collared shirt underneath. And he was probably like, man, this guy just needs to relax a little and chops my you know what? He, he probably thought you were from Jersey after I hear the polo thing. Yeah. <laughs> More Jersey. He, he probably tells the story and be like, yeah, that guy's probably from Jersey or something. He's an East Coast <laughs> asshole comes barging into this concert. And so, but yeah, so if that guy's listening, man, I'm, I'm, I'm totally sorry. And you're right. The reggae community is. Now what's going to happen is, is I'm going to end up going to one of these concerts. And I'm like, oh, man, this guy's totally going to hand me a dad pen. He's going to stab me in the stomach. So <laughs> That's how you go. Right. Um, well, I would just suggest you knock on some wood and just maybe social distance from those in trench coats. That's a good idea. That's good advice. I don't know how hard it is. I don't know if a lot of people wear it up in Buffalo, um, but maybe you just need some new friends, man. <laughs> you know what? If you are listening, why were you wearing that trench coat? In that That's what I keep thinking. Yeah, we definitely have not gotten to the bottom of why he was wearing the trench coat. Maybe we need closure. Let's rethink this. <laughs> We're the ones that need it. You know what? Now that I'm playing it back in my head, I'm okay with it. I did. I <laughs> Better safe than sorry, Derek. Damn right. Oh, gosh. Okay, so Vanna, how did you first hear Sublime? Oh, man. I So, I mean, I can't remember, like, the first time I ever heard Sublime because on the East Coast, it's not really, like, such a thing. I feel like, like, everybody, I feel like, has these, like, crazy stories about hearing Sublime for the first time on the West Coast because it's such a part of the culture. But it's not really like that in New York, you know? So, I remember, like had had heard like what I got in Santeria like kind of growing up but they were just like so like overplayed at like backyard parties that I never really had like dove into Sublime so I remember when I was like in I think I was still in middle school um I hope I don't get in trouble for this but um <laughs> my brother <laughs> was teaching me how to drive and we went to the local uh, middle school parking lot and after we were done like learning how to drive we just parked up the car and I remember uh Roots of Creation came on and I was like whoa who is this like I I'm really loving this song and um my brother like just that was kind of it that's like kind of really where it started because 
um, when I was in high school and middle school, I was really into um, a lot of the pop punk and growing up with Caribbean parents, you know, I was really into reggae. So um, I really just loved Sublime because it was kind of a marriage between the two. And, you know, it wasn't really um, so big on the East Coast unless you were like a stoner, which like I really didn't get into weed until much later in life. Like no one was really kind of like, um, it, it was, it wasn't like cultured how it is here, you know? Um, so I think also like, just when I got into the scene, it was, it was totally different too. But I remember hearing that for the first time. And I, I just like dove deep into all the discography, like just going through, like, I just loved hearing like all the, the really heavy tracks too, were just great. Like the ones that goes, like, I remember hearing seed for the first time and just mm. like jamming out in my, my driver's seat, like, oh man, this song bangs. And then. It just goes into like the nice little like reggae and then it just picks back up again. And, and, you know, I just, I just fell in love. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. I love hearing people's stories. It's interesting how different songs speak to different people at, you know, I don't, I don't know if it's just that time in your life when it spoke to you or if maybe there were just, it was that specific song, but I don't know. It's just, that always fascinates me how people hear it. I remember asking Mike Pinto the same question the very first time I met him. And he remembered exactly where he was in his friend's car and, you know, the whole story. And then he said, you know, if it, if it weren't for your brother, I'd be playing punk rock right now. And I just thought that was a great, great line. I don't know why that's always stuck with me. So what do you have coming up next? You said you've been working on an album. Yeah, so I've been working um, on that album. It's going to be coming out, um, I believe, sometime in August or so. Um, uh, so Johnny Cosmic produced the whole thing. So I'm really wow. excited about that. Um, so the features on it will be, um, Half Pint, K-Bong, and then Pepper. Mm. And yeah, so the, the Pepper song was also like another dream come true for me, but I'm really, really stoked on this album because, um, I think that this is the first time that I've ever really, um, put out music that was like a hundred percent me. Like I had a, a lot to say in the production end of it. And, you know, um, working with Johnny is always, spectacular you know he he really um listens and communicates with me on what we're doing and um it's just been so crazy to like have an album you know I never would have thought that I would even have a song and now that I'm getting ready to roll out an album I'm kind of like pinch me you know <laughs> yeah that's exciting well I will say not only are you a wonderful human being and a very talented person but you you have a great story to tell too. And, and I think that you can relate to people who maybe feel very alone and very, um, you know, just that, that nobody understands. And I think that that's a big part of why you have what you have because you have a story to tell and, and people that you can help. So I couldn't be happier for your success. And I know we're going to see a lot more. I'm super excited to hear your new album, super excited to hear all those collaborations and, just to see what comes up next. And again, I have to encourage anybody who has not had a chance to see you live to catch your live show because you do such a fabulous job. The first time I saw you live, I just remember thinking, can I just, can I just take her home and have her just <laughs> sit in my living room and sing? It just would make my life so much better. I just, I love listening to music. I listen to it at work a lot because it's just, it's so mellow and soothing and, and centering and balancing and, um, it's just, you have a, you have a gift for that. And so thank you for sharing that with us. 
honestly, thank you for being there to um, receive it. And, you know, um, one thing I kind of want to go back and touch on, if that's all right, what you were saying about, you know, um, like loneliness and stuff like that. I also just want to take a second and encourage anybody who like maybe wants to like start writing that feels lonely, like to really try to give music a try because I was kind of like in a really bad spot. And if I'm being honest with you, it saved my life in, mm. in the sense that like, at one point I thought I had nobody. I really yeah. felt like I didn't. And now it's like people I don't even know are, are, you know, connecting with me and appreciating my presence. And I really didn't even think anybody cared for me. And I, I work at it so hard because I never really felt happiness, honestly, until I started doing this. And I've experienced a lot of it alone, but some of those experiences have made me like love myself even more. So I just really think that like, you know, if anybody's feeling alone and they want to try something artistic, um, I, I just think that, you know, you maybe should give it a try because it might end up doing wonders for you in ways you never would have thought. And, you know, um, I just think that's why I'm so, I'm just so passionate about it is because it's the only thing that really has, has kept me going. And, you know, I know a lot of people have that maybe in, in terms of other ways like addiction and things like that. But, you know, in a way I think that, you know, cutting in some of the mental health stuff can be seen in that way too, is like a, a coping. So maybe try to, to cope a little bit more artistically. And I think it could, it could do a lot. Absolutely. That was definitely an outlet for Brad. And so many people connect to his songs that, that are about his personal struggles and it's that, that honesty and that, you know, that genuine spirit in his lyrics and, and you have that too. And I think that that's a, a beautiful gift. So thank you for sharing that with us and with the world. Of course. And, and, you know, I think that's really when I started to get into sublime a little heavier was when I started realizing that the songs were about that struggle and you can hear it in his voice and you start to feel it and get the goosebumps because it's like whatever, it may not be the same type of pain, but whatever emotion he was going through, like you kind of felt it too. And that really made me gravitate towards it. And, um, you know, I don't know if you know this, Kelly, but I know, you know, I have, um, the everything under the sun on my forearm, yes. but it actually covers up a lot of my scars I have from cutting because I mm. wanted to get it covered up with a sublime piece because sublime was kind of like, the thing that made me start this musical journey, but also kind of cope with the pain in the, in, in a sense. Um, so yeah, <laughs> I just wanted to share that with you. That's, that's beautiful. Um, so my boys and I are getting tattoos this weekend and they actually came to me last summer with the idea of getting matching tattoos. And one of them, his, his motivation was to cover up some scars and, um, I just, I remember thinking what a beautiful idea to, to cover it with something super positive and meaningful. So uh, yeah, I didn't know that about you, but I love that. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, of course. Thank you. Thank you for, you know, making, having me be a part of this. Like I said, you know, it really wasn't honestly until I listened to, um, Papa Jim and, and Jake's cover of Rivers of Babylon, I just lost it. I just Oof. like, that's when I really realized how special this project was. Of course, I always, knew how special it was but you know when you're talking yeah. over about it for a couple of months like sometimes you kind of lose sight of uh, exactly what it is but right. I remember hearing that and I just lost it I was like I cannot believe I just was a part of something so special well I 
I'm really glad that you were a part of it, not just because you did a beautiful cover, but because of the person you are and the experiences you have and what you represent to people. So thank you for being part of the album. Thank you for being a beautiful human being. And thank you for being on our show. Of course. Thank you for having me. I really um, in- enjoyed chatting with you both. And um, Jared, I hope you know we're friends. I still love you. <laughs> I'm totally fanboying out right now. <laughs> uh, but I, I, will, oh. I will say watching your, um, you know, over the last few years, watching your uh, um, your social media build up and people tagging you and sharing your stuff. And it's just, it's been amazing to the point where I'm not even embarrassed to say that, like, I was a little reluctant about reaching out to you because I reached out to you about another project that um, we're going to have coming soon and about being on the podcast. And I'm like, I don't even know if she's going to want to do this. Like she's kind of a big deal. And then, you know, you got back right away and you're like, Oh my God, I'd love to be on the podcast. And I was just like, Holy shit. That's, that's really pretty cool. So, um, it's, it's really been awesome, you know, just watching you kind of blossom into this, uh, you know, you're a big deal now. So to, to hear that you went through those struggles and, uh, and, and, you know, had such a hard time, you know, accepting yourself. And now you've got, all of these fans and this amazing music. And it just, I, I think it really speaks volumes to, um, you know, it's like anything. It, it's, it was an addiction and you did recover. And, and Kelly says it all the time that, you know, we, we can, and we do recover and, and mm-hmm. you certainly have, and you've done it strong. Thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate all, all those kind words. And, you know, I just think that, um, that we're just here for each other, you know? And I yeah. think like, the, the more that I've realized that, the more easy my life has become and the more that I've been trying to be there for other people and the more I've realized other people trying to be there for other people. I think one of the positives of COVID was a lot of people opening up about mental health and realizing that it's okay to not be okay. And more yes. people have opened their doors for conversation. And, you know, there's not really this whole, like, Instagram filter on the world anymore. You know, there's more so this realness and I'm appreciative for that because the realness is really honestly how you move forward. Yeah. So true. Hey, before we let you go, I forgot to ask this earlier. Um, you, every time I've ever seen you play, uh, and they were, fortunately for me, they were always smaller shows, but you always said at the end that you were giving out free hugs. And I thought that was the greatest thing. Like the first time you said it, I was like, did she really just say that? And then every single time I've heard you say it and I absolutely love it. Where did that come from? Um, honestly, it came from like right before I would sing surface. I thought of like how, um, people like we just like I started making like a little bit of a speech before I would do surface just about like mental health and then I started tacking on okay well if you guys like want to hug each other in the audience and kind of you know like appreciate the moment you can do that and then I started thinking what if nobody if and if somebody has like like no one to hug you know Mm. what I mean so I kind of also want to like throw it in there um a little bit like freely as well so and and that's also just my vibe i'm just like really fun loving and i want to just get to know people and i'm just like i don't know maybe it's because i grew up on long island with a bunch of italians but like i just want to <laughs> hug and like hang out and just like that's how i show that like i'm really here for that moment so i think also maybe that's really where it came from too is just like just in case anybody didn't have somebody to hug i would be there to hug you you know and um 
it's been cool because people do take me up on it and I, I love bet. it. Like it's, it's never been anything that like I've had to like think twice about because you know, a few people have been like, Oh, do you really say that? And I never really thought twice about it because every time I do it, it's such a great experience. Like so many people just like come just to feel the love and we just like, you know, not to sound like super cliche, but we just have this little exchange of, you yeah. know, a little hug and a little, and, and it's like, I don't know you, you don't know me, but let's just share this moment for a second. And, um, it just kind of worked. So I just kind of stuck with it. And, uh, until I get to the point where it's not a good idea to do it anymore, <laughs> I will always be giving out free hugs. I was giving out free, uh, air high fives since of COVID, but you know, nice. <laughs> you know, it's such a double standard. Okay. She, she says at the end of her show, she's giving out free hugs and everybody loves it. I ride it on the side <laughs> of my van and now I'm not allowed within 500 feet of the school. So whatever. Jared, um, if you just want to be in my van, you just have to ask. Okay. You don't need to get all jealous. I play a killer cowbell. There you go. We always need more cowbell. Always, oh, we got a fever. <laughs> um, there's no way I'm letting you out of here without uh, the same question that I ask all of our guests. And you talked a little bit about some of your um, memories of Sublime songs that you heard. And but this question gets posed to everybody. Now, if you met a young fan and you were kind of hanging out at the studio and they saw your sublime tattoo and they asked about it and you said, oh yeah, that's my sublime tattoo. And they went, who? And you said sublime. And they said, nah, I've, I've never heard that band, but I'll give you an opportunity to play me one song. And if it's a good song, I, you're probably going to get me as a sublime fan. What sublime song would you play to hook somebody who was unfamiliar with the band? You know, I'm going to kind of go with my, with my first Sublime song. I like did not even like try to go in the realm of Sublime, but I heard Roots of Creation and it was such a dope track. I think it's got such a different vibe and it, it's kind of like, it just puts you in a good, like feel good place, you know, um, unless like you're really listening to the lyrics of like what's going on, but like, you know, it kind of really puts you in like this really like bubbly space. So I feel like if yeah. I was just trying to get somebody to vibe, um, I feel like it's the most appealing one too, especially if we're talking about like the little ones, I feel like they would kind of vibe with that one the hardest. So I'm going to go with that one. One of my choice. And there's, there's, there's no, there really is no wrong answer. Um, Except for whoever said Santeria. I don't remember. <laughs> there is no wrong answer. There is, there I feel like no now I have answer. to go out on the street like Jimmy Kimmel and like question the youth and be like, do you like the Sublime song? And just see what they say. Because I want to know kind of if I'm right. Because I, I feel like I am. <laughs> question the youth. I don't know why that's too funny to me. I'm going to question the youth. <laughs> well, you know what, Jared? That's I, my, I, that, I, I call that band name, question the youth. That's a good one. You know what? Maybe I'll go out on the on the streets of Long Beach. You never know. There you go. There you go. Well, I'm gonna have to um, take you out for a cup of coffee sometime. I didn't realize you were so close. So let's get together soon. I would love to, Kelly. And thank you again for having me on and having me be a part of everything. Um, I do feel so special to be included. So thank you. You have an open invitation to anything we ever do. I appreciate. Yeah, this is a lot of fun. I could do this every week. <laughs> We'll just have fun on every week. Because me and you are one of the same, bud. Don't worry about it. <laughs> well, New Yorkers. Well, well, now we're friends. So I, <laughs> I mean, I've got that going for me. me which on is your couch nice. next weekend. That's all I'm <laughs> She's coming out. 
Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, um, you might want to wait. It's still a little cold here. Um, oh, I know. My mom sends me all the pictures of like all the snow and I'm sending her like pictures of which sweater I should wear. I'm like, which one do you think goes with my outfit? <laughs> <laughs> I know. I do the same thing. I'm always like, oh my God, does this look okay? Should I? <laughs> which, which, which hoodie, which hoodie can go with these sweatpants today? <laughs> I mean, you mean with your snow boots. Duh. Right. Which one matches your earmuffs, you mean? Here's the thing is that I can't, I don't, I don't ever wear a winter coat and people are like, why don't you ever wear it? It's just too constricting. I've got things that I have to do. Is that what the sweater vest comes into play? (laughs) All right. So here's, here's how the sweater, the sweater vest actually started as, um, I, so I was in the car business for a long time. Yeah, I know, cheesy car salesman. Stop it. So, um, <laughs> I was in the car business for a long time and it would get so damn hot in the dealership. Uh, but I hated ironing shirts. So I realized that if I had, you know, if I bought a sweater vest, it, I would only have to iron my sleeves and it would cover up, you know, like 80% of my shirt. So on the first day I wore one and everybody gave me shit about it. And I was like, well, if this is going to be a topic of conversation, I'm going to buy every sweater vest <laughs> I could possibly find. Um, and that kind of just like turned into my thing was, was sweater vests. Um, and then I would tie my tie in the fattest knot I could possibly get it in because I could have a little three inch tie underneath my sweater. <laughs> Nobody would, nobody would notice. And the best part is people would always be like, oh my God, look at that knot in your tie. That's amazing. And they'd like pull my sweater down and it would literally look, I look like, you know, the, the Scooby-Doo is like an ascot. almost. <laughs> no tie left at all. Um, so that, that's where the sweater vest came into play. And then it just kind of became like my thing. Right. And I just, Brilliant. You know, I have like this, I have like this really, I was going to say like cool collection of sweater vests, but I'm pretty sure like, cool, cool sweater vests is an oxymoron. Yeah. Yeah. That, those like words don't really like go together. Um, <laughs> there's been several but, times know, though. There's been several times where I've been able to say to people, you know, like somebody would be giving me shit and I'd be like, listen, are you really interested in getting your ass kicked by a guy in an Argyle sweater vest tonight? <laughs> That's why you close. should wear one because it's like, you could kind of be like the unsung hero where like, you go to bars and when somebody's being an asshole, you just show up in your all girl sweater and you're like, yeah, you want some of this? And they would never know I, that you're I've, really going to kick their ass and then you kick their ass and it's like, what? I literally want some of this? I'm not kidding. I, I literally I literally pulled up at a gas station after work one day and there was like a group of kids sitting outside, you know, trying to get somebody to go in to buy cigarettes. And they started, they said something and we had like a little exchange and I was like, listen, do you guys really want to explain to all your friends about how the guy driving the gold Chrysler Sebring in the Argyle sweater vest listening to James Taylor <laughs> kick your ass in front of this gas station? Because it's really going to hurt your cred in the neighborhood. And, uh, and it, was, it was like one of my... Wow, look at you looking out for people's vets. You really are yeah. like a people's people. Thank you. Right, right. Well, you know, they're going to go They're going to go heading down Seneca Street back into the hood. They're going to be like, what happened? And be like, I don't know, man. This guy was... This guy was listening to Mexico by James Taylor and he had a sweater vest on. We really thought we had it. And then next thing you know, he pulled off in his gold Chrysler Sebring convertible. And the- <laughs> Oh my God. Well, I mean, it's kind of like this whole like vigilante thing. I feel like you could get like a whole squad of like Argyle sweater vest people to like, you know, defend the city of Buffalo 
Right. Yeah. No, I, well, I, I could probably <laughs> get a crew are killing me. I'm not, I'm not sure anybody else is willing to wear a sweater vest. And it's, it's a tough it's, sell. It's Dude, you just to have to talk guy. to your trench coat man. He would be on board. <laughs> I feel like he would do it. <laughs> he would get, get like why the trench coat is sketchy and why handing somebody a dab pen in a sweater vest is a lot more effective. Right. 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 Well, there's no a guy karate chopping. He's like, well, you know, the police wear bulletproof vests to save themselves from gunshots and construction guys wear, you know, reflective vests to protect themselves from traffic. And you wear sweater vests to protect yourself from girls. <laughs> and I would just be like, buddy, I'll take your wife home. So um, right now. We thought that was going to be an accounting joke for some reason. <laughs> I did not see it going that direction. Yeah, I was like, oh, are we going to do taxes or something? <laughs> no, because then I, oh, gosh. I, I when it comes to math, I got to take my shoes and socks off. I got to be able to use my fingers and toes. Yeah. So. Oh, yeah. Carry the one, all that good stuff. Yeah, no, no accounting. No accounting for me. Yeah. Now, of, of course, Vanna, before we let you go, this is kind of the part of the podcast where I let everybody know. Well, I let you let everybody know where to find you, where to download your music, any social media, anything like that. Go ahead and plug whatever you got. I tried to make it really easy so everything was the same thing. So um, it's vanaliamusic.com, which is V-A-N-A-L-I-Y-A music.com. And you can get links to my Instagram, Facebook, all that good stuff. But if you want to go straight for the handle, it's just at vanaliamusic. Well, Vada, it's been uh, it's been amazing having you on, and we had a lot of fun. So I, I am confident that uh, you'll be hearing from one of us uh, sooner than later, asking you to come back on, especially after that album gets out. Um, we'd love to have you come on and and talk a little bit about that because this has just been uh, it's been too much fun. I know. I I mean, honestly, like I'll take the liberty of emailing Netflix about our special. I'll see what they say. <laughs> I'll have my people call your people. I am elated about this episode. You guys have been so much fun. And just thank you so much for having me on. Thank you. Wow, Kelly. Um, you did it again. You lined up an amazing guest. Um, Vana was just so much fun. She was so open. And to, to hear her story going from getting a ukulele on Christmas to learning how to play Santeria to getting a law records deal and having her first feature album coming out. An amazing story from an amazing person. And on behalf of our listeners, I want to thank you because I, I enjoyed just sitting back and, and hearing that story. Well, I'm so grateful to Vana for being so open and, and honest and genuine with us and, and just really sharing her heart. She's a beautiful human being with a beautiful spirit, and it was a lot of fun talking with her. Yeah, I, I look forward to getting her back. Um, hopefully she doesn't get too big for us because <laughs> that is the trajectory that she's, that she's had. Agreed. On. Agreed. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm afraid that the next time we send her a message, we're just going to get back the, uh, you know, sorry, you're, you're out. Okay. Yeah, her assistant will respond to us very gently and kindly. Tell us no. <laughs> well, well, to me, not to you, but th to me, that's for I'll I'll just mute out now again. Um, so yeah, it was it was an amazing episode, and uh, and I thank her so much for for giving us that time. Um, now. Kelly, we want to uh, we want to do a little bit of, of a giveaway and uh, and start to build this up a little bit. Why don't you tell everybody what what's going on from Bradley's house and the Noel Family Foundation? Absolutely, we've been talking about doing this for a while, and 
the time is now. You know, the whole reason that we started this podcast was to spread awareness and raise funds for Bradley's house. So we do that by having so many listeners that it makes sense for people to sponsor our show and we, you know, can, can promote the, the sponsors. And they're always people that we believe in, whose products we believe in or whose missions we believe in. So it's not just whoever will throw money at us, although we're super happy for anybody who throws money at us. But you know, it's all about getting Bradley's house built and that takes money because we're a nonprofit and we want to be able to help people without them having to, um, to have the money to do that. So that's kind of where we come in, where we all come in and can help make that happen. And, you know, it could be the next Bradley Knoll that we save. It could be, you know, you just, you just never know. And so I think it's a real privilege that we have to be able to donate to this cause and to be able to contribute to making that happen. So in light of that, we definitely want to increase our, our audience and in a very visible way. And one way that we can do that is through YouTube. So what we would like is for everybody who's listening to go to YouTube, search Bradley's house, find the podcast on there, find the Bradley's house podcast, subscribe to the Bradley's house podcast channel. And then on this episode, leave us a comment, whatever you'd like to say, or even if it's just a hashtag Bradley's house, but whatever you put in there, make sure you include that hashtag Bradley's house. And if you put that in there and subscribe to the Bradley's House podcast channel, we will put your name into a drawing to win four lovely roller CBD products from Humble Collective CBD. That's a great friend of the podcast. And I'm telling you, these are amazing. One is for anxiety. One is for headaches. One is for sleep. One is for energy. I've been using these and I love them so much. And I'm really excited to be able to share them with everybody. In fact, I bought some extras for the giveaway personally, because I so love these products. And then Sarah, the owner of Humble Collective CBD threw in some extras as well for everybody. So I'm really excited to be able to share these with the winner of this giveaway. Again, go to our podcast, Bradley's House podcast, YouTube channel, subscribe, and then leave a comment in this episode and make sure you include that hashtag Bradley's house. We'll know that you want to be included in the giveaway. We'll do a drawing. And in a couple weeks, we will go ahead and notify the person that's won. So I think that'll be a really great win-win. It'll be an opportunity for us to increase um, the numbers on YouTube, which translates into more um, funding for Bradley's house. And as always, we appreciate everybody that listens, wherever you listen, whatever platform you use, we absolutely appreciate you listening and being a part of Bradley's house. But this is just the way that we're going to do our first giveaway. Man, that's pretty exciting. So all they have to do is find us on YouTube, hit subscribe, leave a comment on this episode, and they could end up winning some awesome gifts. That's uh, that's almost too easy, Kelly. I'm <laughs> I'm gonna let you get away with this one. Okay, you made this one easy for the listeners, but um, I don't know. It took me uh, like five minutes to explain it, and you summarized it in ten seconds. So I made it difficult. You made it easy. <laughs> you know what? It sounded better coming from you, though. I, I don't can, think I so. I can assure you of that. Thanks for um, breaking it down. Keeping, for us <laughs> keeping up with our our tradition, um, we always like to leave everybody with uh, a song, and we we try to get one from that amazing compilation um, from the house that Bradley built, which is available at law-records.com. And uh, of course, guys, 
you can visit the nullfamilyfoundation.org and uh, you guys can send in questions for the podcast. You can check out some amazing merch. And of course, you can make a donation. Uh, again, like Kelly said, that's what we're here to do. But I think today's song is uh, is pretty easy. What are we going to leave them with, Kelly? We're going to leave them with Von Alia's beautiful cover of The Ballad of Johnny Butt. And it is phenomenal. Yes, it's uh, it's really an awesome one. So hope you guys enjoyed that. Again, law-records.com. You can find us all over social media. You can find the Noel Family Foundation on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter. You can find the Bradley's House group on Facebook. Kelly is uh, at Kelly. I guess I don't have to give your personal. Uh, I don't have to give any of your personal <laughs> shit out there. So we'll just leave it at that. Uh, so go ahead and check us out on social media for a lot of great updates of what's going on with Bradley's house and the Noel family foundation. And guys, as usual, you don't have to go home, but it's time to leave Bradley's house. <laughs>